The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep, with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick. I uh, hope everyone had a, uh, a good weekend. We are back here Monday morning, and there was a lot of news today. Uh, there is uh, some M&A, or some uh, M&A is, is, is the reason Zynga is up here, but we're going to talk about some stocks that rallied uh, into the close on Friday, some stocks making big pre-market moves today. I mentioned Zynga. Uh, um, uh, SPCE is up big on the heels of the, the SpaceX launch over the weekend. Uh, Cody had some news. Beyond Meat had some news. Pfizer had some news on a Friday. So we're going to talk about all these stocks and more. We'll take your questions from our chat as well. All three of our chats, our YouTube chat, our Benzinga Pro chat, and our premarket.benzinga.com chat. As far as guests, we'll be joined by Michael Pachter at 835. Great day to have him on. He's our video game expert, and he will talk about the Zynga news as well as the entire sector. And then later on in the show, towards the end, we'll be joined by Jason Shovnell. He is the managing editor at Benzinga. He'll stop by for a few minutes just to say hi. I'll bring Joel on here. Joel, give us an update on what happened here in the Sunday night session while I try to unmute you. There we go. Nope. Joel's trying to mute himself. There we go. No, no, no. That was on Spencer. That was on Spencer. Look at this. Zoom was being buggy. Zoom was being buggy. (laughs) And I downloaded the new version, Dennis. You better do that, too. When did Uh, you put up the sign, stop, Spencer, before Joel gives the numbers? When did you put up that sign, a random walk to the kitchen? A few weeks ago. I don't remember seeing that one. That was a good one. Thank you. I gotta look at your screen more. There's some really good yeah. signs up there. This guy, he's he's pretty witty. Thanks. He's pretty creative. That that Maryland. That Maryland I guess that's background. why he's the producer. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, sorry to interrupt. I'm already interrupting. Oh, really? You're you interrupting. It's, one minute it's in like the show. Oh, I'm four minutes you. in the show. Well, we got the same old week then. Market's gonna go up, and Dennis is gonna interrupt. Uh, S&P futures, big old range, had to run up into the close and got really silly. Open lower over the protest on whatever factors, China talking tough. I'll give you the pre-market highs, 55 and a quarter, but what we're going to focus on for the whole week is last week's high, 30, 65 and a half, 25 handles away, 24 handles away. You got to get extremely bullish if we take out that level. And on a downside, man, we're so far off the low. I would say mid-range maybe at uh, – at, 3031 look for minor support. Uh, crude in the red by only four cents at 34.45. Gold in the red by 460 at 17.32.30. Silver up, oh man. Silver almost at 19, up 23 cents at 18.73. Bitcoin up $120 at 9,590. And uh, Triple D, did you have a good weekend? Did you get out to do some exercising, do some bike riding, something like that? Relief. Oh, all kinds of money. good exercising stuff. So did a little, even did a little bit of plumbing over the weekend. Oh, really? Uh, so with my dad there. So we were doing a little bit. We had to move a sewer pipe. So we we're doing some digging and Ooh. some plumbing. So lots of fun things here this weekend. I try to do a little bit of everything, but did I'm I, not very good at it. No. <laughs> did it outside, my dad's handy. Did an outside bike ride with Lisa. 
and we both had took a tumble and they were both my fault. What do you mean? How'd you fall down? You, you're so used to riding the Peloton, you don't know how to ride a regular bike anymore? You've you, Joel, your stationary bike's getting you. You forgot how to ride a bike? It was a little more difficult than that. Uh, there, was an, <laughs> there was an area that was roped off, a road that was being done. You weren't supposed to go on the road. Oh, of course, he's off-road biking. So Joel, I went, the risk taker. Right. So we both made it there successfully. And then on the way back, Lisa's like, no, no, I'm just going to go on the sidewalk. So we tried to go the sidewalk. I kind of was like, no, I'm going on the gravel road. And I tried to hop a curve and I went down hard. And, uh, you know, a few swear words. And Lisa's like, well, I'm staying on the sidewalk. Are you all right? Yeah, just a couple bruises. Lucky you got a doctor for a wife. Yeah. And then she went about another 50 feet and the sidewalk ended. And she went down. Oh, <laughs> you two got to stop. Get out more. You can't no, just stay in your was, house. You we forgot stayed ride, off. how to yeah. ride bikes. When it says no bike riding, next time I'm not going to ride. Follow the signs. <laughs> Signs, signs everywhere. Signs I won't start singing. I don't know who that is, but we got a lot of news here. Let's <laughs> go back. Let's go back to some of that action on Friday. Okay, Woo! so we'll start with this somewhere completely uh, away from the headlines here for a few minutes. Uh, end, of, end of the month. We talk about movement at the end of the month, and a lot of times you see big movement on the close. There's basically three times that you really look for big movement on the close, and it's uh, the third Friday of the month, which is option expiration the end of the month, and the end of the quarter. There's often fireworks. Sometimes they have some rebalances, but the scheduled ones, you know, that are every, you know, pretty consistent there. End of month, end of quarter, you sometimes get some fireworks. There was buyers at the end of the month here, something fierce. Check out the, the uh, chart of Verizon from, four, from, four, uh, from Friday. In the last 20 minutes, Verizon, VZ, stock that moves 50 cents on a lot of days, runs up over $2.00 over two points in the last 10 minutes on the huge buy imbalance. And it was a big one. I didn't write it down. I can't remember, but I was playing it. I shorted the close because I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then I was already, I was able to cover after hours. Same thing with Abbott Labs. Abbott Labs, ABT, running straight up on the close. I shorted the close because it ran up almost $3 in the last, and just because of the big buy imbalance. So, and it's already giving back to over $2 over here this morning. So big moves. Sometimes these are just classic fades, and they seem to usually work. Um, a lot of times, you know, if you can pick them up, and I'm sure there were some traders playing it that way too, at 350 when that imbalance data comes out, and you see that big buy imbalance on it, you think this thing could run. And if you look at where it was trading right around 350 when that NYSE buy imbalance would have came out, the stock was trading around 55 and a half, close 57.38, so ran up two bucks. Huge moves. I mean, these are just simple trades, and that's the title of the show here today, Simple Trades for Complicated Times. These are simple trades. We're just using the publicly available information to make trades off of. And we know when you see a stock, even like I play it the other way, which is kind of the safer way because you don't have to believe the data. Like sometimes you'll see a big buy imbalance and it won't go anywhere. Usually end of the month, sometimes or they tend to be a little bit more, you know, they, they don't pair off as easy. So you'll see, you know, sometimes some movement on them. But when you see Verizon run up two bucks on the close, or Abbott Labs run up three bucks in the last few minutes on no news, it's it's usually a fade, and the fade trade worked there. Why would they put that order in? I, I know I say this every time. I don't know why. Institutions, just a lot of institutional money managers want to jockey the price around. Maybe they need, you know, they want to own this stock for their end-of-the-month reports for whatever reason, and they're going to get it. And they they're going at it. Maybe it. there's maybe there's some you know there's some jockeying around. I have no idea why you want to you know throw a huge order to buy on on the close, but they move. And you know what? These big orders. It's still again a lot of people believe it's just the bots that move more price. The institutions control a lot of bots, and your institutions are still the big price movers. You get some big institution wants to buy a couple million shares of Verizon. It's going to have some price impact. It's probably going to move the price. And when, then Abbott, you know, you have Abbott the, moved too, right? Pardon me. Abbott? Yeah, Abbott had a huge move, too. Look at the chart. Show those charts there. Can we show those charts, Spencer? Are you showing them? Yeah, I had them up before. Here, yeah, I'll, show the I'll, Abbott I'll one again. Up. So we're around $92. Uh, you know, 92 and change, 92 and a half. And then by the close, up to 95 So just incredible movement again. So there's opportunities here as traders, you know, when you got this imbalance data. And you can get it. Ask your broker. IB has it. Certain, uh, some of your brokers have it, some of them don't. But 
you get the big moves. If you see, even if you don't have the imbalance down, you see these huge moves at the end of the month or, you know, at, even on the third Friday, you can speculate it probably was a big imbalance that moved it. So a lot of times those are fades. So how I play it is I sell them on the close. So I put an, what's called a limit on close order out there. And that's going to give me the closing price. So I, when I see, you know, this big buy imbalance of 56, I'm going to throw out an LOC at like 57. If it wants to run up to, you know, on Verizon and it runs up to 57.38 and closes at 57.38, I get the 57.38. And a limit on close order only executes on the closing print if you can be executed. So obviously if I was 57.50 on my sell order, I wouldn't have got executed. But because I'm 57, I'm going to get the 57.38. You get the price improvement. You get the closing print if you're priced below where it's going to close. If you're selling it or selling it short, if you're buying it would be the opposite. But that's the way I play it. I use those orders, the, the LOC orders. I don't like the MOCs. Some traders use the MOCs and those are market on close, which means, you know, no, sell no, it short, yeah. unclose, or sell on the close no matter what. I never like to write a blank check, so I never like to send market orders. I use the LOC, which is obviously still similar. You just put a price in there saying designated for the closing print. I saw a sold short, a bunch of Verizon on the closing print. I was able to cover it 10 minutes later for uh, 30 cents. Obviously, it's down 50 cents now, so it's down a little bit more, but I have to take overnight risk or anything. Abbott Labs, I believe I'm still short some of that. I covered some, uh, but I did hold on to a little bit of it short, so which I should think about covering here this morning. And Dennis, can you just place an LLC like that through any broker? Or is that uh, It depends on how your brokers. I mean, some of the discount, real discount brokers might not have those order types. And that's, you know, an argument to maybe, you know, once you get to a sophisticated level of trading, you probably have to have, you know, a little more sophisticated broker. IB has all these order types. Interactive Brokers has all of that stuff. And at IB, you can offset. So some of them won't allow you to send an order after 350. But if you're pairing off, the NYSE will allow that. And if your broker allows it, then you can, you know, you can put it out there a minute before the close because they're looking. Like the, what the imbalance is, it's advertising out to traders that, hey, we have a big buyer out here. Help us out. Do you want to provide liquidity to this big buyer? Verizon run up two bucks. I will provide liquidity to it by selling the stock short to that big buyer. There's other, you know, if there's no, no speculators that come in to sell it short, Verizon could go way higher than that even. But the speculators come in, the high-frequency traders come in, the prop traders like myself come in. You know, you've got retail traders that are savvy that maybe you're trading those strategies that come in and provide liquidity as well, saying if they want to gap Verizon up a buck or you know, run it up $2 before the closing print, there's a high likelihood that it's going to give some of it back. All probabilities. So that's right. the end of the month uh, trade. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's, it's fairly consistent. I've made money for 20 years trading those types of trades. So it's fairly consistent. The odd one follows through. If there's news on Verizon, you're holding it through the weekend, you always have that risk as well. So, you know, there's lots of things to consider. Do you hedge but, those out or you just go straight on uh, it? No, usually I hedge it out with something. You know, you could hedge it out with an AT&T on a Verizon. If you wanted to, you know, you could look at the beta and say, well, you know, it depends on the market. But this market's so funny right now. It's hard to just flat out hedge out things just with SPY because it's all rotation. We're seeing that rotation again here this morning where you've got the NASDAQ trading down, you've got the, the banks are trading higher. It's like the opposite thing again, where it's some of those value names, so-called value names, lower PE stuff, is starting to catch a bed. And you're starting to see some of the hiding places, which, you know, that trade came off a couple of days ago. This morning, you're seeing that trade go back on, where they're hitting the tech stocks and buying a few of these other stocks, like the airlines and some of the stocks that were at ground zero. So this rotation continues. It seems to change daily. So if you can identify it early, sometimes an opportunity. If it flips, you got to be able to flip it fast too. So rotation's always, you know, one of my core strategies, and there's lots of opportunity there. All right, talking, talking strategy. Uh, it's strategy session. Monday. Yeah, well, we also talk in simple trades, and uh, one of yep. the one of the first uh, first messages I had to Spencer this morning was uh, protest stocks. Right? There's stocks yep. that are gonna gonna benefit from this. Uh, tragedy uh we don't like it but we're just going to point out the price action and uh which one's moving the most this morning well uh, I, I think adt's up yeah. although it's off the highs but yeah uh, i i yeah i mean i was looking for news it didn't occur to me it wasn't my first assumption that AD, adt would be up on i it, I, I didn't assume anything was going to is going to be up or down because of you know, these riots, it's just a, it's a pretty cynical way to look at things, but uh, I don't see any other headlines out there. So I think it's a safe assumption to make that ADT and a few others are moving off of the events of this weekend, which is unfortunate. 
So, and not only ADT, uh, Spinner pointing out as well in the chat, I saw him and I was thinking of two, DGLY, you see your, your, your cop cams. Look at DGLY this morning. This, this, is, this is the play. This is the one that's going to move the most on it. It's up 68%. It was only a dollar stock, but all of a sudden, boom, this was moving on Friday as well ahead of this. This trader speculating that these riots could get ugly. Look at the move DGLY had on Friday. That is following through here this morning. I will tell you, for the most part, usually these trades come off fairly quickly. These are one or two day trades. The riots start to calm down. You start to see, you know, these stocks come back down to earth. Probably when we look at DGLY a couple months from now, if the riots calm down, it's probably back at a buck. So this isn't one I'm throwing my long term portfolio, but I'm telling you, if you're savvy and you were thinking of it on Friday and you're like, this could get uglier over the weekend, you're making a lot of money on DGLY. Did also, you see a, where it went a, to it f off the open? No. 5.05. Oh, off what open? You mean that 4 o'clock? The 4 a.m. open. Holy mackerel. I see the chart now. I didn't even look at that. So this, goes, so this has come way off the highs. And yes. this is important to tell you when you're coming in and buying something at 4 a.m., there is no liquidity out there. There's not a lot of people that are awake. There's not a lot of orders out there. So you start paying up, you could get burned in a hurry. I have no idea who's paying $5 for a $1 stock on DGLY, but that's a, just a recipe. You're talking about a stock that just got back two years of its losses because we got some riots going on. I'm sorry to the $5 buyer, you're probably never, you're, you're down here now and probably never getting that money back. Don't chase, that's the definition of chasing right there. We keep telling everyone, stop chasing, don't chase. AAXN, let's talk that one too. Did it do the same? How high did this one get, Joel? Because I can see it at 83. So it's trading up. I hope this wasn't like a hundred dollar stock at four AM. Now this is this one's a little more interesting. Uh it's AAXN, right? Yeah. This is the old taser. Yeah. Eighty three and change and it's hold is eighty three forty and it's holding right in there. Th this stock though is a bigger company that's firing on all cylinders. You know, this isn't like a penny stock. So this is a huge move for them too. A ten percent move is a huge move for AAXN. Obviously not getting the move that DGLY is because it's not a penny stock. But this is a move that, you know, you could see this move for a bet. I wouldn't be surprised to get some life for Still a couple Still moving days. up. But I don't want to buy it 10% higher. I don't want to chase. So yeah. then these, this, I don't think, you know, well, well, let's talk about the riots. You know, obviously, this got ugly. Ugly here over the weekend. Very ugly. It was ugly last week. You know, it's been ugly for a couple of days. And now overnight, the market gets rocked on it. Well, that trade's already come off. When we opened at 6 p.m. on Sunday, S&P futures just fall out of bed. We're at one point down, I think, 35 handles. And we're all the way back up to the green. So you can see the market's already saying that when well, the market's so bloody resilient, it just ignores everything anyways. But um, that's why I don't want to chase stocks like this because I don't think this is like these riots are going to continue for months here. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm hoping that's not the case, though. I hope that they get this under control. I think that's what everyone hopes for. And I, I you know, I, I always get like, you know, I, I think just trading these events is like a super cynical thing to do. I, you know, I, I don't, don't love the idea of like talking about the trade, the riot trade, right? Um, because there's there's more to it than than just that. Um, I think it's a <laughs> purely capitalistic way to look at a, wow. a a gigantic social issue. But you can't. That's deny our job as traders, though, is yeah. to make money off of events. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think we're being, you know, I don't think it's being like anti-American to you know speculate on these riot stocks. This is my opinion. Um, you know, I want the I want them to end as fast as everybody else. I feel terrible for the people. Like, did you see that homeless person? Like, then and and I think it was I, a yeah, I saw it was cold a that I saw tweeted that. it out. I saw yeah, a lot they grab his stuff. The homeless guy, videos. and they burned it all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of oh, stuff. Come on, don't do that. It's, there's good ways. I'm all for protesting. I mean, this was a terrible thing that happened, and you want to protest in a civil way. You know what they were doing in Flint? There was some great. You know, the, the police were out there saying, you know, protest. It's all good. Just don't hurt anybody. You know, that, that's the better way to go about it. But when they're burning things and hurting people and, you know, looting stores, that's over the top. You know, that's not protesting anymore. That's just taking advantage of the situation. So, right, so Emily, Emily went down there on uh, Saturday to cover Very. and I offered to go and she said, no, dad, you don't need to go. And I'm like, OK, but uh, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we'll. We'll talk about it now, and we're just doing it because we're pointing out market action. I guarantee you, you know, CNBC or Fox or somebody will be covering this in a couple hours. So, you know, it's just it's, it's movement, and we just are pointing it out. But I agree with you, Spencer. 
let's uh, well, let's move so on. So what what you can say is like there are implications to like Target and Nike and Walmart because sure. because they've had to close some stores. Now these aren't like. Um, my someone asked me over the weekend. A, a buddy asked me if I thought like the markets were going to react to like the events over the weekend. And my first thought was like, no. If the market can shrug off a pandemic, yeah, then why would the market care about ri- riots that that I I'm are, are, assuming are going to be over? To last, it's going to be over in a couple of weeks. I, I would I hope. hope. So. I hope yeah, so. Right. Hope so. so, um, what, like what temporary closures to some stores? Like why? Why would the market care about that at all? It was going to shrug off a freaking pandemic. You know what I mean? That so that was my first thought. It cares in the short run, though. It I guess does care in the short run because you're seeing these moved in these stocks, and you're looking at Target this morning, and Target is trading down again. A little bit of combo trade here for you guys. It had a run up on the end of the end of the month too. So we ran up over a buck and a half on Target. So it needed to come back in a buck. So if you're saying, oh, the target down $3 on this, I'll buy it. Target's really only down about a buck and a half because really fair value for that thing's around 121 because it had another dollar and a half of fluff like the Verizon and the other thing that I was just pointing out. So it's down, but it's not down as much as you think. Um, but again, you know, these stocks, I think probably get bought on the dips. I don't know how low target got. Did, is, Let me see. Let let's me see what target did. I see a 109, but that can't be right. That must be a bad print. Ah, uh, yeah, that is a bad print. Uh, tar- yeah, I don't know why they did that. I'm seeing that print too, Dennis. I but think I'm that, I would have to go charge. look at the tape, but I think yeah, that's a bad that had to be. That was I would have been buying out there two ants. Like, I mean, <laughs> come to me, Target 109. Yes, thank you. I get my stock back. I'll take it back. 118. Let's call it 118. Yeah, so it's off the lows. I, it's already coming in. Target, Walmart, we're all down this morning a little bit on this. Walmart's down a buck. Target's down two two and a half dollars from the close, which it had run up into. Uh, you said Nike too, Spencer. Did you say Nike? Yeah, they they had to close some stores. They're up, so they're shrugging that one off there. Uh, I think Apple said they were closing a couple stores. Yeah, Apple, too, Apple too. Yeah, Apple slightly down. Target was the one we saw getting looted. So you know, I saw multiple videos. Plus, Target of that. Target's HQ is is in the Minneapolis area. That, yeah, that's, so that's so there you go. So Target's yeah. getting hit harder for that reasons. But uh, KP, it's just a quick question answer here. What is a bad print? A bad print could be like a, just a really small odd lot that you know some print outside might, the market. Print outside the market, or it's a actually a trade that happened. I would that wouldn't be a bad print. It'd be a good print, but there's a late print to the tape. Something that happened on Friday, but they're posting today. So but again, because we, we see a 109, they, they didn't trade there on Friday. So I don't think that's a late trade report of the tape because Target's low on uh, was 118.16 on. It, was, it didn't trade below 118 on Friday. So that's why I, if probably if we go look at the tape, it's probably some outside print. It could be a trade through. There's a lot of reasons that you'll see a trade, but trades sometimes occur outside of the market. And they occur for different market structural reasons. The market is very fragmented. You know, you got 12 or 13. I can't even keep track of how many bloody exchanges you have now, but I think it's 13. 13 different exchanges trading stocks. You have off-exchange market makers. You have dark pools. You have so many different places where trades are occurring that in some cases, sometimes a trade will just happen outside the market. That customer will often call and say, look, you know, the stock's trading once, 317. Yeah, or, or, or the stock, sorry, I was looking at Apple. Stock's trading one at 19. I just got printed 109. What's up? And there'll often be what's called an adjustment if the market deems that it was outside. Sometimes there's not, though. So you got to be careful with how you route the orders. If you're routing it wrong and you did your own routing, I mean, at a retail broker, it's a different story because the broker's doing your routing in a lot of cases, unless you're at like an IB. But if you're controlling the routing and you route it wrong, that could be on you. Like if I route an order outside the market, Using a different type of order, there's different ways you can do that. And I get printed outside the market, it's probably on me. But I'm a prop trader, and I'm supposed to be know what I'm doing with the order routing. So when uh, you control also, your own order routing, it's a different story. Also, this one's kind of easy, and I don't think that's option assignment when it show up like that. Someone just wanted to do something at 119, and they put 109 in. That could happen. And, yeah, that's, they just that's what handle I'm itis. Yep. And then, and, but you know, sometimes at four in the morning, like when you're seeing this DGLY trade up to five bucks, it's not outside the market. It was probably the market was there. We see multiple trades up there. That's just people too excited buying it too early in the morning, thinking they're getting ahead of it. And they think this thing's going to go up a thousand percent. They're not thinking clearly, obviously, because you know, a penny stock, you know, a dollar 12 close, probably not going to five bucks on this. So if you're up and you're savvy and you're shorting it up there, and I don't know how easy the bore is on a DGLY. Sometimes the penny stock borrows aren't that easy, but 
there's obviously some opportunities, but at, at 4 a.m., you got to kind of know what you're doing because if you're just coming in randomly buying and taking the offers, you could be paying a really bad price. Dennis, you you haven't mentioned the uh, after hours players that uh, like the handler or <laughs> the penny jumper or well, the penny jumper algo is there all the time. So after hours, you're sitting there and you know there's no market on something. If I bid fifty, it bids fifty oh one. The algo goes right there immediately. Like I'm fifty, I don't even see my bid. It's fifty oh one ahead of me. So if the stock closes at 51 and I bid 50, I'd say I'd be willing to buy the stock at 50 if it's 50.01 ahead of me. So in case somebody sells it, the algo gets it. That's your high-frequency penny jumping program. It's a tough one to beat. I go 50.10, he'll go 50.11. I go 50.50, you go 50.51. Oh, 50.75, he'll say you're too high and you can have it. So because you're only 25 cents down and you get picked off on news, right? So that's the penny jumping algo after hours. That's in the pre-market too. You see that happen a lot. You see it happening during the day too, but it's not as prevalent because the markets are tighter, right? So you don't see it as much. But you know, when you get in these widespread markets, everybody wants to be at the top of the order queue for execution. You know, they want to try to make the spread. The market makers, high frequency market are mostly market making programs. They want to make the spread. So you got a 50 cent spread in a stock, they'll want to be right at the top of the queue. So if somebody comes in to buy it, they sell it. Somebody comes in to sell it, they buy it. So that's what market making is. It's sitting at the top of the queue. And there's, you know, market makers will jump each other. You'll see situations where you get two algos jumping each other and the quote will change like 6,000 times a second because they're sitting there jockeying for, you know, execution. They go 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. The one gives up and then it brings it back down to 01, 02, 03, 05, 05, 06, 07. You know, and they'll call it quote pollution or something. Sometimes that's just a loop where the two algos are getting caught together. You see all this fun stuff in high frequency trading. It's a whole different world. And then the one I was referring to was the handler, you know. Who... There used to be a program, dirty as hell, that would like, you know, automatically, if the stock closed at like 10.50, the bid 9.50 and the bid 11.50. And they're hoping you don't look at the handle and you'll accidentally hit them, you know, at the wrong handle, which is dirty, dirty, dirty. Um, that's a dirty program. It's, I guess it's legal, but that's really dirty. If you're throwing out the, hand, the opposite handle or it'll be like close, like better examples, like it closes at like, 2576 so they've been 2476 and they'll hope oh i want to sell it flat i was like oh my goodness i hit a handle i've accidentally hit it before because i'm like in a hurry i was like oh there's a 76 bit i hit that i was like ah i hit the wrong handle i used to joke with you joel remember you'd like ah, i hit the wrong handle i call you <laughs> handleitis or joel starts talking the wrong handle I say, yeah exactly you start talking the wrong handle i mean look after hours in pre-market you gotta look and the handle is the number before the decimal point so you gotta look really close and make sure you're hitting it at 2576 and not 2476 i haven't seen that program out there so maybe somebody you know got on there and like shut it down because it's really dirty that was like so i haven't seen that for a while and i trade a lot of pre-market after hours but there was like an automatic program that was doing that for a while it was a few years ago but anyways i was like that is such a dirty program dirty <laughs> dirty dirty probably legal but dirty as hell all right, let's talk about space. That's what everyone wants to talk about this morning. The successful launch. Did you guys watch it? No. No. Did oh. you watch it, Dennis? You're into that Star Wars kind of stuff. <laughs> Star Wars. It's not Star Wars. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk. I watched the oh landing of the rocket, though. I did see a video <laughs> of the landing of the rocket, and that was really cool. The 30-second video that they were I was flying around on Twitter of landing on that pad. Man, that's cool. I didn't see that, wicked but, stuff, but man. I, I watched the launch and then I, wa I watched the, the, the docking uh, into the ISS yesterday. It was really cool stuff. Really cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, the docking's neat too. It is really cool stuff. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we thought this could be a trade last week and um, the launch got delayed a couple of days, but I guess it's a trade this morning. Space is and, up. And, spa and we got to give you props on this. You're all over the Spencer, the space trade. He kept talking about it. The stock was trading at 16 and a half when you originally talking about it. It's now 1830. You were just saying, you know, this launch is coming and, you know, this will give, you know, some headlines talking about space. And right away people think, you know, oh, let's, you know, what space stocks can I buy? Because this is getting headlines. People, it's simplistic trading. And again, the title of the show today, which is great by, by Spencer here, simple trades for complicated times. And just thinking simply and saying, hey, if they have a successful launch, you know, Tesla, which is nothing, absolutely nothing to do with, you know, with the, that company could get a lift on it. You know, we, I think you were the one or somebody else was even saying that it's up 19 points here this morning. It's not on Tesla. Companies, nothing. They're separate companies, SpaceX, but Elon Musk controls both. So they're like successful launch good for tesla i guess you know i and, and space spce obviously direct 
beneficiary really in the logic of it that you know people more people get interested in space this is a you know business that's going to try to capitalize on that so launching people into space successfully even if it's from a competing company like spacex is good for spce so i guess you had risk i mean if the rocket was unsuccessful to launch then the yeah. stock could potentially go down and we don't want to think about that so there is a risk involved in that trade but successful launch it's good for spce so those buying it on friday are being immediately rewarded today uh, the uh, uh, pre-market high in uh, space, they got it to uh, 20 bucks, and then it's back down at 18.30. Okay, so. I, th- that's unbelievable again. I don't know who's coming out here. What time was that? Right off the 4 o'clock open. You, you got to watch these 4 o'clock. You can wake up at 4 a.m. to buy stocks that you think are going to be hot. Don't pay up 100% for them or 200%. Or 300 Hey guys, I want to I want to interrupt you for a second. Gilead just came out with some data. Uh, they announced results sure. from the phase three trial of remdesivir in patients with moderate COVID-19, and the study found a five-day treatment course of the drug resulted in significantly greater clinical improvement versus treatment with standard of care alone. So the drug appears to appear to have helped over a five-day. Uh, treatment course. Sure. You would think that would be good news, but the stock is going down. It's down two points well, on it. So it now it is. But it won't. Now, it, well, now it is. It only came out a minute ago, so we've only been out a minute. Right, and it popped on the headline. Is, is what I'm saying. Did it? Did it? Yeah, it did. Really quick, Dennis. It did. Where to get to? Oh, you're 80 bucks, 8037. Again, this is news algo getting killed here on this. So the news algo is sometimes good, sometimes it's wrong. Uh, and, and and here's, you know, this is a good segue and, and go to another little pet peeve here this morning that I see, but I saw a Reuters article coming and they were talking about Gilead and they were talking about, man, is Gilead getting rocked here right now? That news algo just bought $80 is now down six points already. $73 here now, Gilead. It's, it's down seven bucks here from where that just was right after the headline a minute ago. So these things are wild. But uh, it was a Reuters article saying it was pointing out some big option buys ahead of the SEC approval for remdesivir back in you know May. I think it was May first it got approved by the SEC. But you know they they point out and they can cherry pick. Okay, here's a big buyer and they made a million dollars or 1.6 million or whatever it was on the options. One thing to consider is though not every option buyer has inside information. Just because they correctly guess the right way doesn't mean they have inside information. On Gilead, we all knew there was going to be multiple headlines on Remdesivir coming in the next couple of months. Joel and I were playing it. We were like, I think the headline's going to be good. This was back in April because they had already knocked the stock down that they didn't think the drug was doing something. So I thought the bar was very low. And obviously, you know, we made money off of that. We're not inside information. We're just using the publicly available, you know, and thinking it through. So I don't know if that person had inside information or not. We don't know who that option buyer was, but I'm saying the likelihood that they did was, is very, very low. So just speculating that every single option buyer that you know, has inside information that they're always right. On, on a stock like Gilead that has multiple headlines coming, there's going to be speculation on both sides. Like you were saying, it could have been a hedging trade, Joel. It could have been a lot of different you know, reasons for that. My point being is that I just don't think that every option buyer that you point out has inside information. Some of them definitely could. Should we get Tesla in here real quick? I know we got our guest. I think we got to talk talk with this Gilead for a minute. I don't think we got to talk because this is knocking the market down too right now. We just knocked six six handles off the S and P. Wasn't there? That is not coincidence. Was it good? Was it good? Well, it doesn't I, appear I'm, to be. I'm, I'm sitting here trying we to. We don't know. It sounds good to me. The study uh, demonstrated uh, patients were 65% more likely to, ha- uh, to have clinical improvement at day 11 versus uh, with those with standard of care. Uh, so the two headlines I read both sound okay. I'm not, I guess, informed enough to interpret these headlines uh, and interpret the move, but they sounded good to me. I'm not really sure. I mean, we're basically back to scratch, aren't we? This is just wild. And trading these on the headlines is it's tough game. You know, you don't know like which, how they're going to interpret it. It it reads to me, Spencer, like, Oh, that looks like a good headline too. It reads to me that the same way, but they, here they are, you know, they, they buy it off the hop in the first seconds and they slam it. They slam it down to 73. Headline trading is, is, and I do headline trading, but when you've got a little bit of, you know, gray in it, those are hard headlines to trade. 
when it's just black and white, sometimes those are the easier ones. Like, you know, stock, you know, has a big insider, you know, buy come in. Like, I mean, I mean, from, you know, from the disclosures, you know, that you know, the SEC, the Edgar filings that, you know, hey, War or Warren Buffett bought some stock or, you know, a hedge fund manager. Those are obvious ones that's going to move the stock in the, in the up. It's going to move it up. But when you get data from a drug, sometimes it appears to be good. And a lot of times, sometimes it'll spin the other way. So you got to be careful on that stuff. So just randomly coming in and buying, you know, just because it looks good. We know Gilead has popped before on, you know, good data and sold right off. Well, now they look just like they're just selling it off on good data. So this is also such a, a recycled headline. I mean, how many oh, times? So how many times? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And great, it, great it, point. Yep. And it's actually peaked every time at lower levels when uh, when this news has come out. So. Six of one, half dozen of the other, and and, and also now you're you're, you're trading it. You little got a little more competition, right? If you're after hours, you know maybe there's not as many people. I think pre market, I think you get a little bit more uh, participation. But we're a minute late to bring in our guest here, and what what timing by me to have Mr. Pactor on today with the Zynga acquisition? Oh yes, Joel, great timing, Michael. How Pactor. do I do that? I don't know how you do it, Joel. Michael Pactor from Whitebush Securities. Michael, welcome. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, Joel, that your timing was poor because I didn't get a chance to run a brush through my hair. <laughs> oh, we got you on video. Yes. All right. I keep asking you, and you, I. There we go. Mr. Pactor is. Uh, he's out on the uh, the coast out there, so he's very nice for us to get up early in the morning. Um, I'm in so, Riot Central here. I'm in Long Beach, so. Uh, oh, pray, pray for us. Yeah, that probably three or four miles from my house. Um, Michael. You just got off a call uh, related to the Zynga headline. Is that correct? So actually, yes. before, we, before we talk about that, let me give the news here. Zynga is making their biggest acquisition to date this morning. They are buying a Turkish mobile gaming company uh, called Peak for $1.8 billion uh, in cash and stock. And uh, Michael, you just got off a call about this. What, what was that about? Um, yeah, it's half half cash, half stock, so right. should be should be pretty accretive. Um, the stock is valued at their VWAP for the last couple of months, so it's seven dollars and ninety two cents a share. Uh, stocks in the high nines, I think, is trading up in in the pre market. Um, so they're giving away. Uh, I'm sorry, they're paying one hundred thirteen million or so shares of cash, and I'm sorry, stock and nine hundred million cash. Um, which means it's probably going to be closer to a $2 billion acquisition. Anyway, these guys, uh, they make two big games, uh, Tune Blast and Toy Blast. They're both consistently top 20 titles. Uh, the company is a Turkish-based, Istanbul-based uh, developer. And so the games are pretty popular globally. Uh, they do really well in the U.S. Uh, Zynga didn't add anything to its guidance for the quarter. So they're assuming it's going to close, you know, June 30th or later. And they said that the second half contribution would be 300 million bucks. So um, 600 million annualized run rate for the games. Knowing Zynga, you know, if they say 300 million, um, that's probably the average, you know, um, hundred, I'm sorry, did I say 300 million, 600 million, my bad. Yeah, yeah, 600 million annually. So probably 150 million a quarter is the average of the last several quarters. And there's probably some upside there. No commentary on the profitability of those games. Um, I will say, I play a lot of mobile games. These two games, Toon Blast and Toy Blast, advertise a lot. So user acquisition is probably pretty high. But bottom line, Zynga's doing 20% EBITDA margin. So these things will contribute probably at least 120 million a year. And given Zynga's history, uh, they're probably not paying 15 times EBITDA. They're probably pay paying something closer to 10. Um, so I think that EBITDA is going to be pretty high. Good, good for them overall. Really, really. And they're also raising their Q2 uh, and fiscal year sales guidance this morning, just in, in, re in relation to the deal. So no, not, not the deal. So the, the increase the has nothing to do with the deal. Okay. Um, the, okay. the increase is 40 million for the quarter, no peak whatsoever. And the full year guide is 40 million only and no peak whatsoever. They, they just separately said peak should add 300 million the second half without a comment on EBITDA. Got it. They're over 100 million in EBITDA this quarter without peak. And so if peak is, you know, generating 20% EBITDA margins, probably another 30 million or so per quarter. So they should come in close to 500 million this year in EBITDA. That's pretty good. Got it. Uh, so where does this leave Zynga, uh, I, I guess, as, as the dominant player in mobile gaming, right? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they're the dominant Western player. Uh, Tencent is, is a multiple of their size, so, so pretty big. Um, I think that, you know, you look at companies like Electronic Arts who have been in mobile um, earnestly since their 2006 acquisition of Jamdat, and EA is doing around $700 million in, in revenue this year. Um, you look at Zynga, their guide is $1.84 billion without this $300 million contribution from, from Peak. So there'll be over $2.1 billion this year. They're three times the size of EA, and they started up, you know, four years later. Um, it kind of shows you that a company totally focused on, on mobile can do really, really well. And a company that's trying to do a little bit of everything just has a more challenging time building up its business. And what's your price target on Zynga? Well, it was 11 and I'm in the process of writing a note, but uh, your good fortune is my bad fortune. I, I scheduled this interview in the midst of all this, so I haven't yet written a <laughs> note. So I cannot tell you what it's going to do to my numbers. I haven't figured it out yet. 11 as of Friday. And I, again, it's under yeah. review right now. Uh, and Michael, what about the rest of the, 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 the gaming stocks here? I mean, they've been like, what can you say about them? They've been on fire. Yeah, I have a note out this morning about this. I wrote I wrote a uh, several page uh, note, probably twenty page note. Um, Glue pre announced last week. Zynga mm -hmm. Zynga essentially pre announced today. The the raising guide, you know, the forty million raise is on a four hundred and sixty million base. So so Zynga is raising by you know, call it eight percent. Glue raised by about eight uh, percent. Each of those numbers implies a sequential increase of you know, roughly 30, 35% on their core in-game purchase business. So anybody with in-game spending is going to benefit as long as we're shelter in place. And I think that number is about 35%. So the way to really think about these guys is, you know, look at Activision's revenue, look at the percentage that comes from in-game spend. It's about two thirds. So 35% times two thirds, they're getting about, you know, 20, 25% lift sequential lift in revenue just from shelter in place. EA and take two are about 50%. So 35 times you know, 50 is about 17% lift. Uh, Ubisoft's about 25%. Nintendo's close to zero. So you can kind of, you know, work it through. And, and the right question is, you know, two questions. Um, how long does shelter in place last? And whether there's any portion of this, this increase in sales that is sustainable. Um, I, you know, notwithstanding what our president has said, I don't expect a vaccine to be widely available by year end. Uh, the, the trick on vaccine is not just proving them out. They got to manufacture, you know, 5 billion doses. Uh, so we're really probably talking about April to September of 21 before we're fully ready to go back out. Um, so I think this lasts for a year minimum. And I think we're probably talking about, you know, maybe 15, 18 months of some kind of modified shelter in place. Second thing is a lot of people are coming back to these games. And what we're hearing consistently from all the publishers is that what they call lapsed players, you know, people who used to play their games who, who quit are coming back. So, you know, when you think about new players for these titles, they aren't necessarily your mom who's just started playing Call of Duty. You, know, you don't have to worry about that type of player. It's really the you know twenty year old who got a job at twenty two and stopped playing Call of Duty and he's back, and I think that's sustainable. I think you're going to see a massive shift in work patterns um, even after shelter in place ends. You've seen Facebook and Twitter saying you know stay at home as long as you want, including after there's a vaccine. Uh, I think my firm is considering letting people work from home, and I've talked to several uh, employers who are saying they're just going to modify schedules and if people want to come in the office one or two days a week. They will. That means we have a lot more time to play games, less time commuting, more time to entertain ourselves. So I think that at least 10 points of this 35% lift due to shelter in place is sustainable. I think these guys are all worth at least 10% more than they were before. And they get massive leverage on that increase in revenue. So I love the sector. I think it is sustainable for a long, long time. Kind of like that unidentified catalyst that you were looking for. The stocks got hit, and they were already on their way back before this happened. But you know, a major catalyst. So, you know, you don't you you expect this to the move to continue. I, I want to ask you about uh, about esports and uh, you know that evolving and esports betting. Obviously, is another factor that's going to be very important look at stock like DraftKings, other stocks but and and i i i don't know a lot about this but 
I mean, what's is there gambling aspects to uh, to e gaming? I mean, is could that be a whole nother a whole nother thing? It can be. You know, it, it's uh, it's going to end up being the way betting on college basketball was in the early 1950s. And I don't know if you remember the CCNY uh, betting scandal. You guys probably weren't around in 1951. But um, a lot of players were charged with fixing games, and it was because it was uh, largely unregulated and college basketball was kind of not a big thing back then. And so people were making money by paying off players. And you have to worry about that with esports. And I, I think that the players are, they don't make very much money. They'll be susceptible. Um, so I think it's going to evolve very slowly. Um, I wouldn't throw DraftKings into that. And I, I don't cover them yet. I intend to DraftKings is daily fantasy sports. So you're, you're actually fashioning a real pro sports team. So you're picking a wide receiver and a quarterback and a running back and then see how their stats shake out against other people who do the same thing. Uh, that's different. That's professional sports that you're betting on. Um, esports is a big deal, but we don't yet have a killer app. We don't yet have a game that everybody wants to watch and everybody understands like basketball where everybody, you know, if you say LeBron James, you, your mom knows who LeBron James is. Like everybody knows who he is. Um, you can't name an esports player. You know, your mom probably hasn't heard of Ninja and he's not even an esports player. He's an esports broadcaster. Uh, Michael, any upcoming catalysts we need to be aware of as far as where we are in the console cycle or conferences, e, uh, E3, or I'm not even sure what the status of that is this year. Uh, Yeah, E3 canceled. um, And console announcements starting this week. Sony's got an event this week. Okay. Um, Who knows what they're going to say. You know, consoles have historically been a catalyst and and have moved the needle. Um, Typically, when that was the only way to play games, it was a good indicator of sales. So if people bought a lot of consoles, they were going to buy a lot of software later. Um, That's just not the case anymore. You know, as I said, Activision, two-thirds of their revenue are from in-game purchases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, two billion of that, of their six there are 7 billion of revenues candy crush alone, you know, so, so it's not as console dependent as it has, as it has been in the past. I actually think that you have competing technology this year. You're going to get streaming ramping. So Google Stadia is a streaming service. I am confident Amazon's going to announce something similar. I think Microsoft's going to announce a streaming service. I think Sony eventually will. Apple might, so you're going to get a lot of players trying to get people to buy games without buying a console. And that's great for the publishers. Think streaming video movies without, you know, actually having a cable box. And, and you know, if there's no equipment required, more people are going to access the content. Uh, two quick follow-ups. Uh, one is, would you expect Sony to be volatile ahead of that or after uh, their announcement? Yeah, again, I don't cover them, but I'm sure okay. that they are. I mean, it, you know, gaming is is more than 25% of their profits, so I'm sure that, that, that that's the case. Second thing, I, I don't know if you cover Nintendo either, but I've been trying for a month and a half now to buy a damn Switch, and I can't because they're all out of stock everywhere. The supply chains are all screwed up. When will I be able to get a Switch for not $500? Um, <laughs> my understanding is they're actually back down to earth. Uh, okay. You can check eBay prices, oh. they'll tell you. But, they, yeah, they've... They've lifted uh, shipments by a bit. They only increased by 10%, but um, clearly that's just parental guilt and people stuck at home while yeah. they do something. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not spending double. Um, I'm, I'm, not paying, I'm not paying double for one of those things. All right, uh, Joel, I believe you had one more Yeah, thing. just one thing. Michael, uh, you know, we fail to mention every time you come on about the Pactor Factor, so I know people enjoy your content. Could you just tell people about when that is and how they can listen to it? Oh, good question. Um, it's on, it's available in a bunch of different places, and it's it's on demand, so it's not uh, it's not there's no formal dates, but pretty much daily. I think we do it probably five days a week. Um, there's a website called sifted.net, and you can you can be a Patreon patron. I don't get any of the money, but it supports the production of the show. If you don't do that, it's on Twitch, and uh, all we ask people to do to get it real time on Twitch is link their Twitch Prime account to their Amazon Prime account. And then finally, it's on YouTube for free for everybody, but we delay the release a week. So if you go to YouTube, there's 200 shows there. Um, and, and I talk about games. So it's all Q&A. Um, I answer viewer questions about games. Happy to take any questions from anybody in this audience. Uh, so YouTube's the fastest way to do it. And follow me on Twitter at Michael Pactor. Give me grief. Um, I don't reply to anybody who doesn't follow me. So if you don't follow me, you're not getting any, any engagement. 
that's a good policy to have. Michael Pachter, uh, Senior Equity Analyst at Wedbush Securities, host of the Pachter Factor. Thanks for getting up early with us, Michael. We appreciate it. Of course. It. Thank you. All right. Uh, 8.50 here now, guys. Uh, our Jason Chevnell will join us here in a couple moments. But sure. Well, let's go back to markets. Dennis, what are you seeing out there? You've been off the quiet. Rotation. A lot of rotation. Uh, the banks are stronger here this morning. Like I said, the airlines are trading higher. You're seeing definite rotation. And we know this can change in a hurry, but you're seeing it going into those laggards again and coming out of the tech stocks. So the NASDAQ is now down. QQQ is now down a buck. So um, you're definitely seeing rotation. Uh, it's going to be a really tricky day. Gilead has come all the way back. I mean, that stock really, I was watching a lot of that action. Um, yeah. It, 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 obviously, we got the big pop on the initial headline, which lasted a couple seconds. Then we had the huge drop where like, oh, I, you know, somebody who's bought it is like, I've screwed up and they've sold it all the way down to $73. And now it's right back to 76.30 and, you know, 76.81 and kind of, you know, not even, you know, even as volatile as it was. So I think the range today, you look at the pre-market range is in for Gilead here. Crazy movement. These headlines are wild. Uh, S&P's did sell off on that, uh, just making a home here in the 30-30 handle. Uh, Friday's close, that's been the high close of the rebound, 30-42. And then we had a couple other pesky closes right here, 30-38 and 30-35 and a half. So a lot of of decision back and forth here. I'm looking for us to hold this area to get up to test that 65 and a half. Uh, if we can't catch a bid off this area, not sure if we'll see that lower Friday's low at uh, 92. That would be 29.92. But uh, we're basically trading a triple close area. Uh, let's just cover Tesla. That's uh, that's benefiting from the SpaceX launch, correct? Yeah. It, and the technicals look good too on it. I mean, yeah, we talked with Jason on Friday, and the technicals look good. I mean, the valuation to me has never made sense, but it doesn't matter. It's America doesn't care. It's, it's the story. The story is still hot. It's got its following. I mean, I don't see any reason I sell it on Friday. I think, it, I think it's probably going to go to a thousand bucks. Why not? Why not? So I don't know if 2000, like Jason was saying, seemed a little bit of a stretch, but who knows? I mean, these things can go for a long time. So it's breaking out here again. This is breakout from Consolidation Station. If I was trading it, I'd be a buyer of pullbacks. Uh, this is uh, at the top of a trading range here, and we've been in a long-term trading range, and 869.82, that's been the high of the range. So look at that. Uh, your pre-market high comes in below that, 865. So that's a real big area. We've been in that trading range uh, since, I think that was earnings when they did that. Uh, that was back on April 30th. I mean, just like the only thing with Tesla and I, and Jason got into it a little bit on Friday. Um, to me, they're going to have to make their money somewhere else besides buying cars be, or selling cars because well, Jason thinks the batteries, it is the batteries. It's got to be something else because I see, and I know we've run over this. I think in the next five years, 10 years, there's going to be a lot less cars on the road. And I don't know if all those cars are going to be Teslas because Tesla is very expensive, but I don't know. I mean, it's going to be the batteries or the solar, but I just see, you know, car, the cars on the road in five years being, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out here, 10, 15% lower in 20 years being 25% lower. I mean, I'm done. I'm done with cars. I mean, you know, who needs them? Who needs the insurance? Well, we still need cars. Who needs cars? That's a bold statement. He's Joel, living, living in the I agree there's going cars. to be less cars on the road. A lot less cars. That, you know, with, with even what's happened recently, and you think about how efficient the world still was when we were in lockdown, um, there's, you know, a lot of argument there that there'll be more working from home after this. And that means less commuting. It means less cars. I mean, if you're in the city, you know, it's a different story, but there's a lot of people who commute, you know, that from, you know, into the city with their car. We know there's traffic jams coming to Chicago and to Detroit. You know, you know, there's a lot of people commute. It could be less. So there's an argument there that there will be less cars. The, 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 the difference with Tesla is it's not, it's about like, if you looked at this as a car company, the valuation makes absolutely zero sense. So but it's never I, it, been valued like that. It's never been valued like a car company. You know, it's not valued like a car company. It's not $100 billion car companies out here. So, you know, you got to look and the guy's a genius. The stuff he's doing with SpaceX is a genius. And if you're 
buying Tesla, you're basically, you know, it's a play on Elon Musk's idea generation. And he comes up with a lot of ideas, and that's worth a lot of money. All right, let's hang out with uh, someone, uh, a familiar face here for the next. Right, can we just be, we're going to be on Chubbs. Chubbs is there, but this, uh, we've had multiple people ask about NERV in the chat, and I said I'd cover it. Sure. So just we can we can stay on N-E-R- later. N E R V. Yeah, Minerva, Minerva Neuroscience because it got rocked on Friday. Oh my goodness! So this was a stock that had did not Oof. meet. So their schizophrenia drug did fit did not meet the primary endpoint phase three trial. Stock murdered on Friday. It's bouncing back here a little bit. Typically, these things don't come right back unless there's like an uh, you know unless there's something with the trial. You know, all of a sudden, you know, it comes to life again. That doesn't usually happen. So from my experience, I don't follow the story at all, but from my experience, when you're buying these things on the dip, they tend to not be that good. They tend to continue to leak. And, you know, a lot of these companies are one trick ponies and the drug's not working out. Yes, sometimes they can, you know, find another way to, you know, tweak it and, you know, and, and re-put it into a trial. But for the most part, when these things get rocked like this, they don't bounce right back. So that's just my thoughts on any RV. Yeah, I mean, it had a big range yesterday. It is green right now. It's quiet. So if it's, you know, if it stays green, that's, you know, 24 cents, you know, maybe make a run at uh, the high from Friday, which was 550. I don't really see that, nor I really don't see it falling back to that buck 81 level. So maybe just get a couple days of uh, consolidation, maybe some news for the company or an analyst comes out to defend it. But be keep an eye on that uh, that closing price at 371. Try and be bullish above it if it loses that. Kind of hard to find a stop in there. Big volume in it on Friday, though. All right, Jason Shevnell is Benzinga's managing editor. He also goes by Shubs. Bring him on Bring now. On good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going, How's man? Going? Long time no see. We don't, we're not in the office anymore, so we haven't like seen each other for a while. How's it going? Yeah, yeah. I finally got rid of the uh, quarantine beer just a few days ago. Yeah, I got all clean. That's good. I got that about. I think I went about two and a half months without touching, my, without shaving, without doing anything. And then uh, I let a mustache go for a, for a day or two, but my wife was not too pleased with it. <laughs> and this guy has the, uh, the toughest job on Wall Street because uh, he has to edit my articles. So I just have a little, little sympathy for him. But uh, Chubbs, I mean, uh, you know, we got a lot of good content coming out of there. You want to come on today and talk about the content, see what our listeners like and just – Tell us what the you know the last couple months have been like here, as far as you know writing and articles, editorial, and, and, on the and news tell us tell us what people are reading, because because you know what what our traffic's like. Yeah, I mean, l- like all the other like many other business publications, we've just had record breaking traffic every single month, in, almost every single week when it comes down to it. Um, you know, it's it's the old adage of if it bleeds, it leads in news, and you know. When something bad happens, people want to read about it as opposed to something that's good that's happening. And it's been crazy how much people have just been eating up any anything related to the coronavirus on our site or any of the any of the sympathy plays that might be that might have moved with it. Whether it's Moderna, Gilead, even just some of the penny stocks there, um, all of them have just led to some some record breaking numbers. Uh, I actually our this isn't a this isn't a, an article per se, but one of our our top page since the beginning of the year is the best penny stocks under one dollar right now. So I, I think like like you've been reading in some of these places, you know, a lot of people are that aren't suffering too much from any kind of downturn or losing their job. They have extra money to play the market, and so Robinhood's getting you know tons of new users, and I think they're all just trying to buy anything they can for cheap right now. And it's, it's showing off, not, not just in the stock moves, but also in, in what we're writing about. Yeah, a lot of uh, record number of new accounts at the retail brokerages. And, so, and, and traffic has held pretty steady, even though the market's come back. We're not as volatile as we were a couple months ago, but it's still hot, right? People are still hungry. Oh, for sure. And then, and then of course, obviously, there's also just the, the crazy headlines that we see almost on a daily basis, whether it's from the White House or from... Main Street, like like what's happened over the last week, um, you know, and we're doing our best to cover that as we can. You know, we're obviously kind of a smaller team here, but you know, we're we're able to we're able to do, um, you know, we we pull our weight as best we can. I think you guys are well aware of that. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the stock you are an expert on, WWE. 
You are, <laughs> you are a wrestling guru. Uh, I don't know if you've been following it at all, but uh, if you can give us like a 10, 20 second take on, on the state of their business right now. Well, I think like I've said before, the, the stock is totally different from what the actual product is, you know, and they, they laid off a bunch of people right before their last earnings report um, while this pandemic was going on. I think it was a, a few dozen wrestlers and backstage people. And they released earnings the next, you know, a week later, and they had record-breaking numbers. So, you know, they're losing subscribers on their network, but um, – but people don't necessarily care about how bad the product is. You know, as long as they're making money from those, those crazy television deals, you know, they've made half a billion dollars from Fox and from NBC over the last couple of years, and that's going to be able to sustain them for a while. Um, but much like the whole pro wrestling industry and every industry in the world that relies on fan interaction, you know, they just had had terrible luck over the last few months trying to do live shows without, with an empty arena and they, they benefit from having a crowd there that their, their talent and the, the show feeds off of having a live crowd like you're watching a baseball game. So I, I feel bad for them and every other company that has to deal with, with you know, no fan interaction like that. But, um, but I think the, from a stock perspective, I think they're going to do okay just because of the contracts they've already signed before all this hit. So how is this going to work? Like you think about all the professional sports teams. I mean, a lot of them are tight budgets. The salaries, you know, I think about the baseball players, the salaries are, are very high. Obviously there is some linkage in some of those that have um, salary caps, but for the most part, you've got a lot of fixed expenditures and running these arenas to, you know, and you're, you think about the owners of these teams and, you know, you're not going to have, you know, in the short term, any revenue from the fans, how does that work? I mean, like that, that, it sounds like a recipe, even with the WWE, it sounds like a recipe to lose a lot of money in the short term. It's definitely going to hurt all of them, NFL, college football, whoever does go back to normal, hopefully it's soon, but you know, whenever they do. But again, like I think like how WWE benefits from their, their television contracts, that's what so many of these leagues get their, the bulk of their money on is ESPN, TNT Sports, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, you know, they, you, it feels like every, every contract renewal, every three or four years, they get billions of dollars from them. So I think that's able to sustain them um, so they don't fold like some of these lower level, you know, minor league promotions are. But, but I, don't, I don't think they could last more than, you know, a season without having their vendors and their fans coming yeah. through the turnstiles. But, yeah. but I, I think, I think they, they can adjust for the near-term thing, but if this goes any longer than another season or two, which I, I think we all doubt at this point, but um, that's when I think that the actual worry of how can these these leagues sustain will come into play. Shubs, I'm being advised to ask you to move your move your face away from the mic. You're blowing it out a little bit. Too. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, any any just final thoughts here, uh, Shubs, on just the market and its reaction to news and and what you're seeing as far as what people are caring about. Well, actually, Dennis touched on something I wanted to bring up just before I came on about Tesla and Musk. We wrote an article over the weekend about um, how Tesla stock has moved with SpaceX launches over the years. Baird had actually a pretty interesting chart um, about how the stock correlates with a launch, whether it's positive or negative. Um, and that story blew up for us over the weekend. And much like you guys, you know, we, we talked to Ivan Feinseth from Tigris, who I think has been on the show several times. Um, we talked to Mark Spiegel um, from Stanfield Capital, and they were just saying, you know, it's ridiculous that the market is trying to play Tesla to SpaceX. But like Dennis said, we got a few emails saying, if you believe in Elon, you believe in anything. So if they, if they can see any kind of positive correlation from Elon himself, they're going to buy anything that's related to him. Um, and I think that's showing right now in Tesla. Well, it's always showed in Tesla, but even from a historic space launch like that, it pays it, off. It doesn't make sense, but it also does make sense. So uh, exactly. Sometimes the simple trade, again, we were calling the show, the simple trade that if that launch is successful in all likelihood, even though SpaceX is a completely separate company than Tesla, investors will come in and buy Tesla. And it's not a coincidence that Tesla's trading up 20 points here right now because of this successful launch. I mean, if that launch wasn't successful for whatever reason or got delayed again, Tesla stock could have, could have been down today. So there is- yep, I, think Spiegel, I think Mark Spiegel actually said that on the, the what was that last Thursday when the, when the original launch was delayed or postponed, he said, as soon as they had put the announcement out, it fell five bucks in after hours trading. There you go. So go. traders yeah. are, are trading space, it's trading Tesla as- from uh, three, three, can't trade SpaceX. Closest thing to it is I wish they would make SpaceX public. 
I would like to trade SpaceX, but I guess we have space. <laughs> Shubs, what's your thoughts on you space? And again, stock you're seeing the same Dennis. thing. Space is getting a big pop here today, SPCE. Obviously, nothing to do with it, but um, again, they're trying to put people into outer space as well, so a successful launch of this is good for SPCE as well, and we're seeing a 7% pop in that stock too, so maybe SPCE starts tracking SpaceX? I also wonder how I also wonder how many of these are, are actual traders or if their algorithms just tied to all these things. Oh, I think a lot of algos Probably. for sure. Probably we'll add her. Yeah. All right, Jason Subnell is the magic editor at Benzinga. He's also our resident wrestling expert. Uh, Shoves, thanks for coming on today. Thanks, guys, and to all your listeners. Um, if you guys, I don't know how often you know your listeners are reading Benzinga.com or if they're Benzinga Pro users, but if you guys ever have any story ideas that you think are interesting to write about, or if you have any tips of something that you've read before, um, just shoot us an email at editorial at Benzinga.com. Um, and we'll, we'll obviously follow up with you and we'll look into it as best we can. All right. Thanks a lot, Chubbs. That was Thanks, editorial, editorial at Benzinga.com was the email there. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Thanks to our guests, both Chubbs and Michael Pactor. Thanks to all of our listeners and people in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice everyone have a great rest of your monday joel and i will be back at 340 in the meantime be safe and good luck out there fuck all righty all right hope that last word didn't get in there no BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.